And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. We're starting a new sermon series today called Make Room. Everybody say, Make Room. There it is. And uh, so we're talking about this idea of making room for Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. And as promised, um, I told you last week, we told you on social media this week, that we have a very important announcement to make. And uh, we'll be doing that later on in the message. Um, So there you go. This morning, though, we do start uh, this thing called Advent. And you may or may not be familiar uh, with that word, Advent, but it's derived from the Latin word uh, Adventus, which really, it means coming um, or arriving, the arrival of something. And so if you, it's not a word we use a lot, but if you think of this word Advent, you could say uh, that the advent of the iPhone was in 2007, which means that was the arrival of the iPhone. Who has an iPhone? Anybody? There you go. So you're welcome. Uh, 2007, it showed up. Um, So when we talk about the advent of Jesus Christ, we're talking about the arrival, uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so uh, he came to this earth thousands of years ago, uh, and he came to this earth to die for you and I, to have ministry, to heal people, to set prisoners free, to give the blind people their sight back, to heal sickness. I mean, he did some amazing things while he walked on this earth and then he did something even more incredible he told his disciples to go and do those things as well to do those things and even greater things and you and I we are part of what he told his disciples to do thousands of years ago gave them a commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations and you and I are here because of them you and I are here because the Word of God, the, the church that was birthed all those years ago, will continue, is continuing, and the devil ain't got nothing on us. Amen? The, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so here we are today, thousands of years later, celebrating. Everybody say, celebrate. Celebrate. Celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ our Savior. So I want to tell you a story this morning. Um, it's a really obscure uh, story in the Bible about uh, people named Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Um, it's very, that was a bad joke. Okay, so let's start. I'm, I'm reading the room here and you're saying go on, so I will. So Luke chapter 1 says this. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son as old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing, you see, is impossible with God. And Mary said, Yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. 
Let it be with me, just as you say. And then the angel left her. Now, could you imagine that? I mean, I want you to think for a second that you're Mary. Here's minding your own business. And boom, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, is Gabriel, an angel, standing right in front of you. And you probably just do that, what you're doing right now. I mean, right in front of you. An angel, like glowing and sparkling and flowing. I don't know what angels look like, right? But there's an angel. I mean, I know what they look like in the movies and in books and pictures and whatever. But whatever you imagine, here's this angel. It's probably even more majestic and awesome. I don't know. Here's Gabriel, the angel, standing in front of Mary. And he says, hey. And he says, you are beautiful inside and out. And she's like, I just, I don't even... She's, she's speechless. I don't even know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with this greeting. I don't know what to do with the fact that you're standing here. Like, I got nothing. I mean, imagine that. Imagine out of nowhere. You're like, Josh, this is not a big deal. I talk to angels all the time. They stand. I mean, okay, fine. If that's you, then great. But that doesn't happen to me. I don't just see angels all day, every day. So this was a pretty shocking experience to her and for her system, right? I mean, just everything in general. It's just like, whoa, what am I even looking at right now? And, he, and then he begins to talk to her and says, that you're going to have a son. Like, you're, you're going to have a kid, and he's going to be, the, let me read you what he's going to be. He's going to be son of the highest. He'll rule forever. There will be no end to his kingdom. He will be the holy son of God. Now, if someone told you, if an angel told you that, I mean, you're like, wow. Like, that seems important. Like, he's going to be a king, and he's going to rule forever, and there will be no end to his reign, and he's the son of the highest God. He's the son of God. This, this seems important. Right? I mean, that is a pretty cool thing to think about. Just boom, all of a sudden, there's an angel telling you this good news. And then I like how Mary responds. She's like, I mean, I would have a bunch of questions. She has one. Well, how can I have a son if I'm a virgin? If I've never been with a man, how can I, a virgin, have a kid? And so the explanation that was offered is that basically the Holy Spirit and the highest will hover over you and be there. And that was kind of the explanation. And to which Mary said, oh, I understand now. <laughs> which, if it were me, I'd be like, huh? What's that? What do you mean? I mean, but that's what she says. She says, and Mary said, yes, I see it all now, right? I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with you as you say. I mean, that's, that's some faith right there. Because if you give me an answer like that, like the Holy Spirit will take care of it. I'd be like, first of all, who's the Holy Spirit? Like, what does that mean? What do you mean? He's just like floating around. Like, where is he? Like, where's it? Right? I mean, you're going to have questions. But she was just like, okay, you said it. I'll believe it. Right? I'll trust in you. That's, that's fine. I'll trust in God. And he even said, he said, you know, because God is the God of the impossible. He said, you know, Elizabeth, she's old and should not be having kids right now. They, everybody thought she was barren, but here she is six months pregnant. God is the God of the impossible. And so maybe you're facing something today that seems impossible. Or maybe there was a time in your life when it looked like something was impossible, but God came through in a big way. That's what he's doing. He's building up her faith and building up her trust and saying, listen, Elizabeth was barren. I mean, she was old. Everybody thought she was barren, but she has a son. She's six months pregnant. Like, look at what God can do. In other words, you don't have to understand how it's all going to happen. All you have to know is that you are going to be Pregnant with the Son of God. 
And she said, okay, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. Here I am, a vessel, right? And that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, can you imagine being in her place? Or maybe God's spoken things to you through the Word, through Scripture. Maybe there's things that He's impressed upon you in your life. And it's like, these are the things that I want you to do. And you're like, I have no idea how to do that or what that looks like. And, you know, we like to figure everything out. But let's take a, a note from Mary here and just be like, you know what? We'll just trust you. Whatever you say is going to happen, I'm just going to trust in that and say, here I am. I'm your servant. And I'm, I'm ready to serve. Whatever you need. Instead of trying to figure out every little detail, because I'm sure none of you are like that, probably just me, right? Instead of trying to figure out every little detail, we say, Jesus, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to give you my life. I don't get it. Like, your answer didn't make sense, but you said nothing's impossible with God. So if I'm going to have a baby and still be a virgin, then I trust you. Okay? So that's the one side of this story. That's what happened with Mary. Now, Mary's engaged to be married to this guy Mary's engaged to be married to this guy named Joseph. Uh Uh-oh. Now, Joseph and Mary have not had sex. Mary is a virgin. Now Mary is pregnant. Now, Mary goes to her fiancé and says, I'm pregnant, but it's not your baby and it's not anybody else's baby. It's the Holy Spirit's baby. And Joseph says, what? I don't, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. That's not how it works. Right? I mean, something, you're lying, right? I mean, like, this, there's just no way. Like, what are you talking about? That, that had never happened before. And I got news for you. It hasn't happened since. Right? I mean, it's never, this is the one and only time this ever happened. So that excuse hadn't worked before and it hasn't worked since. (laughs) It was the Holy Spirit. Okay, what's his name? You know, I'm going to go talk to him. So she's telling Joseph this. I mean, think about what's going on. I mean, he's a man just like you and me. Well, maybe some of you are women, but he's, you know, he's a human. But just imagine, put yourself in, in his shoes for a minute. And your fiancé comes to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anybody. I'm still a virgin. It's like, okay. I mean, honestly, isn't that your first thought? Like, uh-huh, true story, right. And so Joseph is having, I, you know, I don't know if he wasn't totally believing her. I don't know if he was definitely having some struggles with this because he had a plan to kind of break things off quietly and not bring shame to her or to his family. He was trying to kind of set things right and make things like kind of just go away. All right? Not, you know, and he just, so you could tell he was a little uncomfortable. How many of you would be a little uncomfortable with this situation, right? So look at Matthew uh, chapter 1. Actually, don't put it on the screen. I think uh, I have a different translation on there. So you guys can just listen um, and pretend it's on the screen if you want to. But it's Matthew chapter 1, uh, or you can find it in a Bible if you have one of those with you. Verse 18 uh, through 25. So listen, this is what happens on Joseph's end of things. It says, The birth of Jesus took place in this way. His mother, Mary, had been promised to Joseph in marriage. But before they were married, Mary realized that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, was an honorable man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the marriage agreement with her secretly. Joseph had this in mind when an angel, uh, excuse me, when an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
And the angel said to him, Joseph, descendant of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, which means he saves, because he will save his people from their sins. All this happened so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would come true. The virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. He took Mary to be his wife. He did not have marital relations with her before she gave birth to a son. Joseph named the child Jesus. So it says in here that Joseph, Joseph was an honorable man. And that he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly. You know the punishment for adultery? You know the punishment for having a kid outside of marriage? You know what that punishment was? You get stoned to death. But what I mean by that is they take rocks and hurl them at you until you die. That is your punishment for sex outside of marriage, for having a kid out of wedlock, whatever you want to call it. That was your punishment. I mean, that's what Mary... She didn't deserve it, but everybody else would have looked at this situation and been like, what's going on here? And her excuse is, it's the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't an excuse, it was true. That's what it was. So here's Joseph. Like he's got, this is, this is a struggle. Because she's pregnant with Jesus, and it's not Joseph's baby, and it's nobody else's baby. The Holy Spirit came upon her, and she's pregnant. And so the angel came to him and said, listen, this is true. What she's saying is true. You'll name him Jesus, which means he saves because he will save people from their sins. So Joseph, Joseph woke, wake up, he wakes up from his dream. And he says, all right, I will do exactly what you want me to do. And so he says, I will be engaged. We'll get married. I'll commit to you. They don't have any relations of any kind until baby Jesus is born. And so that's a guy who stepped up, right? I mean, he looked past his pride he looked past disgrace, any fear of the unknown, any of that stuff. He said, man, what's, what's going on inside of Mary is something special and something important. And I'm not going to cast her aside. I'm not going to look down on her. I'm not going to allow anybody to say this, that, or anything. And you know people would talk. You know people said things. It's hard to hide a pregnancy, maybe for a while, but for nine months, oh, gee, Mary, you've gained a little weight. It's right here. It's a little difficult to hide, right? And so he stood by her through all of that. And look at Luke chapter 2. At the time, the Emperor Augustus ordered a census of the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria. All the people went to register in the cities where their ancestors had lived. So Joseph went from Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a Judean city called Bethlehem. Joseph, a descendant of King David, went to Bethlehem because he had been born there. Joseph went there to register with Mary. She had been promised to him in marriage and was pregnant. And while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there wasn't any room for them in the inn. Alright, so we're picking up with this story. We got Mary and Joseph. We talked about how the angels came and talked to them both separately about all that was going on with Mary and who Jesus was and who he was to be and that he would save people from their sins. And so now they have to travel. Mary's very pregnant. 
Okay? But they have to travel for a census. And so they have to go, everybody has to go back to their hometown, where they came from, where they were born, where their ancestral line is from. And so they went back to Bethlehem. And we sing about it. O little town of See? So they went back there. And we read it in the scripture, and it's all very quick, and it's all very easy. But I want to show you something. I want to show you the trip from Nazareth down to Bethlehem and how long it might take. I punched this into Google Maps. Yes, Nazareth and Bethlehem still exist. All right? It's pretty close to where they were back in ancient Bible times. This is probably not the exact route. This is a road, obviously, of some kind that they walked on. It might not be the exact route. But check this out. From Nazareth to Bethlehem. Look at how long it takes to walk. I don't know if you can read that or not. 33 hours. Now, if you had a mind to, you could fly yourself over to Israel, and you could walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And it would take you 33 hours. Now, let's say that it, maybe it took them a little longer, maybe it took them about that time, but do you think that a, nine, a, a woman who's pregnant, full term, nine months, do you think she's going to be able to do that all in one shot? Whether she's riding on a donkey or whether she's walking a little bit. I mean, do you think, how many of you are like, yeah, she could do it, no problem. I mean, think of the natural. You're, you're pregnant, right? Just the natural side of that. That's a long ways. You might be shot after six hours, eight hours. It might have taken you 40, 45 hours walking. So maybe, I mean, you could be talking five, six days. I mean, we read it in the Bible and it's like, oh, Mary and Joseph went to, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And then they got there, they had baby Jesus right? I mean, days, travel days and hours. Uh, you think they were a little tired, worn out when they got to Bethlehem? That old little town of Bethlehem, right? And so they're tired, they're worn out. It's been hours, it's been days. It's been all this. And then they get to a place to stay for the night. It's time for her to give birth. Obviously, after the bouncing on the donkey, it's time to give birth, Right? <laughs> I mean, I got everything going. It's like, all right, here we go. Labor time. Time to give birth. I'll be quiet now, right? And so they get to this inn. They find a place, and some translations say hostel. And I mean, really, you're talking a place that probably just had some, like, places to sleep on the floor, you know, and just some, uh, I don't even know, just some place to lay your head. And they basically said, hey, uh, there's no room for you in this inn. There's no room for you. Like, you, you have to leave. I know you're nine months pregnant. I know you're giving birth and everything. I know you're tired. I know it took you days to get here. Not just like the little bit that we read about in the scripture, but I mean, it took you a long time to get here. I get that. But there's no room for you. You have to go give birth to your baby outside somewhere, where the animals are. Just, you can't be here. There's no room for you. I mean, can you imagine that? If you show up after days of traveling... You're pregnant, you're in pain, you're ready to give birth, and someone says, sorry, there's no room for you, you go hang out with the animals and give birth there. I mean, think about it. Now, a days, when you give birth, you give birth in a birthing suite. <laughs> you got the flat screen. And you got the big old room and the toilet and the shower right next door. And it's all fancy. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now, don't lie to me. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they call them birthing sweets because they are sweet. <laughs> so 
That's they're not even expecting a birthing suite. They're expecting a room with a like a roof over their head and a place to give birth to a baby. And they get to go lay in the hay where the animals do their business. Kind of cast aside. Sorry, there's no room for you. That word uh, room, it means opportunity. That word room means to give place to someone. So basically they're saying there's no opportunity here for you. We're not giving place to you. There's nowhere for you to be here right now. You can't be here right now. There's no opportunity for you. We're not showing respect to you. We can't allow you into this space. You cannot be here right now. There's no room for you. That's essentially what they're saying. They're saying occupied. All the spaces are full. There's no room. All the spaces are full. You have to go somewhere else. It'd be like if they had a a neon sign, it would flash no vacancy. We are full. There's no way that you can stay here. That's what they're telling them. There was no room, no opportunity, no reverence for a pregnant woman to give birth to the Son of God. They didn't care that she was pregnant. They didn't care that there were two angels had talked to Mary and Joseph and said that you are carrying with you the Savior of the world. They didn't care. Sorry, there's no room for you here. Yikes. Now, had they known he was the Savior of the world, maybe they would have found a room. I don't know. They said, sorry, there's no room for you. There is no vacancy. So I want to ask us a question as we begin this Advent series. Is there room in your life for Jesus? Is there room in your life for Jesus? Mary and Joseph and unborn baby Jesus came knocking on a door and they said, sorry, there's no room for you. They said, sorry, there's no opportunity for you to stay here. Sorry, I'm not giving place to you. I'm not making space for you right now. And do we do the same thing? You don't have to answer that. I think sometimes we do the same thing. I think in our lives, we fill our space, we fill our rooms with other people, with things, with the pursuit of happiness, pursuit of finding those ne- that next thing that we need. And so we put in all this time, put in all this effort. We do all of these things so that we can have all this stuff. We put other people at the center of our lives. And surely and slowly, we begin to squeeze God out of our life. And so my challenge to us this Christmas season is to make room in your life for the Son of God. Uh, Liz Bohannon is an author and speaker. And in one of her books, she says, I look around and all I see is BS. Now let me define BS for you before you get offended. <laughs> I saw a few like, oh. She defines BS as busy and should. Busy and should. She says, I look around and I see a lot of busy. I see a lot of should. 
I see a lot of BS. You know what I think? That busy is one of those four-letter words that were, here's the thing, it's one of the worst four-letter words you could say. I mean, there's quite a few bad ones out there, but I think busy's right there. I think busy's right there. In fact, I think sometimes we have pride in the fact that we're so busy. I think sometimes we uh, wear busyness as a badge of honor. It's almost become a status symbol. How are you today? I am busy. And I'm talking to you. You're welcome. I am stepping down from the important things in my life. And I'm spending a moment with you. Okay, now that's a little dramatic. But busy. We run here. We go there. We're tired. We're worn out. We don't have time for this or that. or the other. We're just so busy. Anybody ever said you're busy before? Mm-hmm. You don't have to answer this, but anybody ever been proud of the fact that you're busy? I mean, think about it. So I think sometimes when we think we're busy, that we're doing a lot, we're being productive, we're being successful. We're working, we're this, we're that, we're whatever. I can't sit around. I can't relax. That would be, that would be just awful. That would be the worst thing if I just sat in silence, in solitude, for like an hour with my Bible and with Jesus. I mean, I got, I, I got no time for that. I am too... I don't see the fruit of that. I don't see the immediate results of that. I can go do something else. I can go spend time doing something and do, be busy doing something, but I see the results of that. I have stuff. I have things. I have more money. I have more. I see that. I get that. I like it. I'm busy. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong church this morning. <laughs> but what about silence and solitude? Making room in your life for that. You know, I think it's good to take time to rest. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. You know what keeps us from growing weary? You know what keeps us from fainting? Do you know what gives us true rest? Spending time with God. Is making room in our lives to spend time with the one who created us. You know, maybe this last Thanksgiving, maybe you spent some time with family, maybe you had a relaxing time, but maybe, you know, you did all those things, but now you're just back at it, and it's back to the grind, and you feel even more busy, you feel even more stressed. It's like, I didn't really get much of a, a rest. It felt hurried, it felt distracted. Did you spend time with God? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Amen? Those who make time for God, to spend time with Him. And then there's this idea of should. You ever heard yourself saying, I should do this? <laughs> I heard it. I said, amen groan right there. Mm -hmm. Sounds like this. I should spend more time with my kids or I should have spent more time with my kids. I should read through the Bible this year. I should lose 20 pounds. I saw a meme 
It was like me, January 2019, lose 20 pounds. Me, June 2019, only 30 pounds to go. (laughs) Anyway, I should (laughs) lose 20 pounds. I should stop using my credit card and get out of debt. I should, 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 should. Busy and should. We have all these things that we should do. But here's the problem with that. We don't get to them all. And then we feel like failures because we know we should have. But we didn't. And then we feel like failures like, well, I didn't do that. Can't do anything right. Instead of, and we couldn't do all those things because we were way too busy with the other things that we already thought was important. And so if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added to us. We seek what God wants first and foremost. And say, God, I'm giving you my shoulds. I'm giving you my busy. I'm going to make time for you. I'm going to make room in my life, in my heart, in my schedule. I'm going to make room for you in my checkbook, my bank account, whatever it is. God, I'm going to make room for you in my life. It's time to stop the BS. It's time to stop the busy and the should. And it's time to make more room for God in your life. Amen? Amen. Romans 12 says this, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life. Who has that kind of time, that kind of life? Sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around. Who's that? Okay, what are the rest of you doing? (laughs) I got like half of you are like, nope, don't sound like, okay, so I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping and eating. You're going to work, walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Now check this out. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. What's our culture? Our culture is busy and should. I mean, it's a lot of things, but it's definitely busy and should. Don't fit into your culture without thinking. Instead, gives us something we could do. Fix your attention on God. Make room for God. Make room for Him in your life. Look at this. You'll be changed from the inside out. So when we don't become so well adjusted to our culture, and we fix our eyes on God, we'll be changed from the inside out. And look at this. Readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So when we say, I'm busy, or we say, I should, you know what, we should stop doing those things and instead just fix our attention and our focus on God. And then, I like this. It says he'll begin to change us from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. You know what God wants from you. When you spend time in prayer, when you spend time in his word, when you take a minute to turn off everything, to put your cell phone away, to dig up some paper, maybe a pen, 
and you say, I'm just going to spend some time reading and praying. When you realize and recognize what God wants from you, and when you readily respond to it, our lives begin to change. They change from the inside out. When we make room in our lives, in our schedule for Him. So fix your attention on God. Make room in your life for God. What changes do you need to make? I like this. It says, instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. How many of you are in need of a change? I know I am. I'm not standing up here preaching at you this morning. I'm up here talking with you and letting you know that I myself need this as well. This isn't something I'm just saying, this is good for you. This is good for us. Even pastors need to make room in their life for their Savior. Because I was a human far before I was a pastor. And that human nature likes to creep up and hang out more often than the pastor side of me. (laughs) So this is for me. This is for me. You'll be changed from the inside out. When we make room in our lives, it brings about change. When we make room in our lives, it brings about change. And that brings me to something else. I want to tell you about another change that's been in the works for quite some time. About four years ago, before I transitioned to the lead pastor position that I'm in currently right now, uh, January will mark three years of that. But even before any of that had happened, Pastor Mike and I had sat down and talked and he said, hey, when you think about the future, when you've been praying, when you've been, you know, God's been showing you things and vision and all that stuff, when it comes to like the staff and the team that we here, have here at New Covenant, like not the people that are here, but what positions, like what do you want to see, what would you see like the positions, like what kind of roles do you think that we need to have on staff? And, um, and so we talked about that, and I was letting him know. And, and there's a few different ones that we don't have right now, but one of the, those that I want to talk to you about today is that of a family pastor. And a family pastor, um, in, in my mind, would be someone, when I was talking to Pastor Mike about this, would be someone that would oversee all of our infants, so our covenant kids, um, which currently Alicia, my wife, uh, is, has been heading that up at my request for like a really long time, and she's doing an awesome job, and we love her. Also, shameless plug, she could always use help. So uh, talk to her if you like hanging out with little kids. Um, and, so we're, and so she oversees that. Pastor Doug has been overseeing... Um, Pastor Doug has been overseeing Extreme Kids, which is going on right over there right now, and 5-8 for 5th through 8th graders on, on Wednesday nights. And then the Bidelmans, Brian and Jelaine, and keep them in your prayers. Um, uh, Brian's mom is having some health issues right now, so please be praying for the Bidelmans. But they watch over our Moxie kids, our ninth through 12th graders. And, uh, and so my vision was always to see someone come in and kind of unify all of those instead of having, you know, still have all these separate things, but there, there would be someone that would have one mission and one vision uh, from birth till young adulthood um, who would take care of the kids and watch over them and also minister to the whole family, the parents as well. And so that was something this year that we've been working on behind the scenes. Back in April, 
um, we decided that we were going to, the, the board had full approval of moving forward with this. And so we uh, began looking for a family pastor. We had over 20 applicants. We had uh, some interviews. And on August 29th, uh, we hired a family pastor. And uh, our family pastor will begin on January 2nd of 2020. And so this morning, uh, I wanted to introduce you uh, to our family pastor. And so would you please give a big round of applause uh, for Dan Altman and his wife, Danielle, as they come up. Awesome. So I actually have the photo this time. I didn't have it first service. It was in there, but not in there. I'll let you uh, introduce your family, and then you go ahead and uh, say a few things. Yeah, so uh, this is my family. Um, <laughs> my two oldest boys, Daniel and Brooks, and uh, 16, 14, and then my three daughters, uh, Israel's on the left, or your guys' is right, and Leah in the middle, and Noel there, and my wife, Danielle. Um, we're super excited uh, just to, to be a part of what God's going to do in this next season at New Covenant. Um, we grew up in New Covenant. We've been here, we spent, yeah, we've been here, yeah, our whole lives. And then in about 2011, uh, the Lord kind of led us to get some education and do some internships as it pertains to ministry. So we ended up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, from there, we, we only planned on being gone for just a little bit of time, and then we we're going to come back to Fort Dodge, but it ended up being eight years. We ended up spending seven years in West Des Moines, uh, started off there as youth pastors, and then um, my wife uh, led the worship, and uh, we developed a nursery and a children's ministry, and then we became senior pastors. And then uh, a, a little over a year ago, the Lord started uh, speaking to both of us about moving back to our hometown. And so that was a, a process of, like, God, what, why are we going back home and what do you want us to do when we get there? And so we ended up back here in Fort Dodge. And uh, I was ma I'm making anhydrous ammonia. And I'm like, Lord, what is going on here? And, uh, but anyways, uh, when we, we saw that uh, they were looking for a family pastor, uh, we started praying about it and everything, and then we knew it was the right thing because uh, we're really passionate about families. We are just strongly passionate about families. We, uh, I believe that uh, the state of society has a lot to do with uh, the, the health of the family, if that makes sense. And so we're, we're passionate about families. We're passionate about marriage. We're passionate about children. And so we're just, again, super excited to be here. Yes, we are very excited to be back in our hometown, and our home church. It's been nice to see all of you and meet new people also. Um, yes, we're honored to be here. Yes, it definitely is an honor. Thank you. I'm waiting. Yeah, come yeah, on. <laughs> I was like, where are you? That's on me. I was just right there. I was just listening. 
All right. Let's, uh, let's pray for Dad and Danielle this morning. Dearly Father, I thank you uh, so much for the Altmans, Lord. I thank you uh, for the call that uh, you have placed on Dan's life to join us here at New Covenant on staff. And I thank you, God, that as he transitions from his current job to, to this here over the next month, God, that you would give them peace and uh, that it would be a smooth transition, God. We are so excited uh, for them as a family, God, for all that you have in store for them and for their uh, wonderful kids, God. We pray, pray, pray blessings over their entire uh, family, God, for good health and over uh, their finances and their jobs and everything they set their hands to do, God. We love them. Uh, we thank you for them, God, and we're so honored and excited, God, that you have placed them here and that you have put them in our lives. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Very cool. So uh, Dan will start uh, January. Oh, I already have a microphone. On. Just, hold, just hold the mic. You got to use it. Um, it's like an instinct. You put a mic in my hand. You got to put it. All right. So <laughs> with that being said, is this one working? Okay. So with that being said, uh, you might might have a, a question or a thought in your mind or on the tip of your tongue. Uh, what what if if Dan is going to be taking care of all of those ministries? Uh, what's Pastor Doug going to be doing? Um, and so I I have a few questions. First of all, will Doug be retiring? That might be a question that you have. Will Pastor Doug be retiring? The answer is no. Okay, we're gonna try one again. Um, will you guys go ahead and ask me? Will Doug be retiring? No. Okay, so we clear on that? Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, will Pastor Doug be working at New Covenant Christian Church in Fort Dodge at this location where he's worked for the last 20 plus years? The answer is yes. yes. Oh, interesting. Cool. So he's not retiring and he's still working here. What exactly will he be doing? Pastor Doug is going to uh, be taking care of all the care ministry and also all of our maintenance and cleaning. Um, and so that's uh, something that over the last, honestly, this last year, uh, he's just had a lot of vision and ideas for both of those things. And if any of you have ever been in the hospital, if you've ever uh, broken anything, if you've ever been hurt or needing to be at home or resting or being in a hospital, you know how awesome Pastor Doug is. Um, if you have children, you know how great he has done uh, with the kids' ministry for all of these years. Um, and, and so him and Pam both, their, their desire is just to uh, help others um, in any way possible. And that's always exemplified uh, in the things that they do and the way that they speak and, and all of that. And so um, my last question I have is this, is Pastor Doug on board with this change? So I'm going to have him and Pam come up and they can answer that one. All right, give it up for Pastor Doug and Pam as they come up. Good. Should be on. How about now? Okay. All right. The answer to the question is yes. We are on board with that. Um, and to kind of explain that a little bit, um, we, my wife and I, have been involved in kids ministry since we started at the church uh, in '86. I know that tells kind of how aged we are, but um, anyway. <laughs> We've helped in a lot of ministries, but um, my wife's even done preschool, clear back in the old church. Uh, we both helped in Covenant Kids. Um, 
children's ministries, youth ministries, all those things, and have always had a heart for kids and all that. Um, and so we've been doing this for a while. And so we are honored to be able to hand the baton off to Dan and Danielle and have them take over and uh, see what God has for them to do. And I know there's some amazing things that they'll be doing and that uh, will be up for New Covenant. So also it's going to take a team of volunteers. So all of you who are interested in kids ministry too, be thinking about that. Um, did you want to say a word or two? Um, just looking forward to what New Covenant has in the next step, the next phase. Um, always happy to be a part and still look forward to being a part of kids' ministry. Um, kids always enjoy hearing those life stories. And since we had both Dan and Danielle in our kids' ministry, we have so many stories to share about them <laughs> as they've grown up. So look forward to that. And yeah, so... Yes, yeah, so be ready for those things. Uh, anyway, so, but anyway, um, also, again, just to say it's been an honor to serve your kids and your grandkids and some of you. And uh, so, uh, so what? Oh, in the care ministry. Yes, uh, we're looking forward to working in more in the care ministry together, doing some things with that. And yes, God's given us kind of some vision and some uh, just ideas, thoughts about uh, the two ministries working together some. Um, anyway, I won't go on for a long time, but uh, again, it's been an honor to serve all of you and uh, the team here at New Covenant, um, Anna, Melanie, uh, Pastor Mike and Janice, Pastor Josh and Alicia, and it's an honor to be a part of that team. And then to have Dan and Danielle join that team, uh, looking forward to that, it's going to be great. And so again, just thank you so much for allowing us to do the things we have done and we're going to continue to do. So uh, with that, have... Pastor Josh, come. Thank you. I didn't want to miss my opportunity this time. Wow, come on. Absolutely. Dearly Father, I thank you uh, so much for Pastor Doug and Pam. And uh, Lord, we thank you, God, just for all of the years that they have taught uh, the children and uh, the grandchildren and everybody, Lord. I thank you for their loyalty. I thank you for their heart to serve. I thank you, God, that uh, they are just so faithful to you and to the people of New Covenant, God. I thank you that as they move uh, on with this new uh, and exciting uh, phase of their life, Lord, that you would continue to be with them and give them peace uh, through all of it. We love them and we thank you uh, for them in your name we pray amen amen, amen. amen. yeah awesome give it up for them all right so make room we're making room on our staff and we'll be a bigger team now and uh, make room in your heart this holiday season this christmas season for jesus christ amen amen, amen. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.